Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of School of the Rock, a podcast about faith, culture, and evangelization. My name is Nick Sentovich, and I'm joined, as always, by Father Bobby Blood. What's going on, Father? Dude, living the dream. The sun is shining. Uh, Lent is halfway done-ish, and, uh, you know, life is good, and we're not alone. We're not alone. Today, we have a very special guest. Our special guest today is Father Nathan Reeb from the Diocese of Kansas City, St. Joseph. Father, what's going on? Hey, not much. Good to be with you, Father Blood and Mr. Sentovich. Um, life is fantastic. I just got done with first Saturday devotions here in the parish. So graces were just showering, folks. Have you had like a crazy amount of confessions? I feel like confessions has been nuts around here. Yeah, confessions. Um, yes, an, ob- an obscene amount of confessions is the correct way. But uh, yeah, it's a lot of confessions. It's really fantastic to see um, your confessions twice on Saturday and, uh, you know, Saturday mornings and, uh, and Saturday afternoons. And there's, so there's a lot there. We have a lot on Wednesday evenings and just, uh, yeah, a lot of people uh, receiving a lot of graces. Um, you know, they meet Jesus in that sacrament. And uh, I think they're beginning to realize that they're meeting him. It's just not just a uh, torture chamber. It's not just, uh, it's uh, a lot, a lot of confessions. Right. People are, people are needing. It's awesome. Well, so Father, I know you from college seminary. Nick knows you from the Pontifical North American College in Rome. But uh, would love just to kind of hear, uh, you know, the, uh, the bite-sized version. What's your story? How did you get where you are now? What's your assignment? You know, the, the, the basics. Oh gosh, bite-sized. Well, um, felt the call at a you young age. As long as you want, we're not going anywhere. Well, I know, I know your homily style, and I try to imitate you. I try to emulate Robert Blood's homily style <laughs> of short, of short, but uh, not a homily, not a homily, folks. But um, bite-sized. Yeah, I felt the call from a young age. I didn't. I, I tried to listen to it. I wanted to go to high school seminary. Probably better that I didn't. But uh, I felt the call from a very young age. Then started dating in high school. Had a girlfriend, and so wasn't really interested in seminary anymore. Went to college. Broke up with my girlfriend. Finished college. Worked in politics. Writing political mail. Maybe we can go back to that. But I'll just give the cliff notes first. Then after having moved to Washington, D.C., kind of got away from everything and realized and heard that call that I had heard that I had kind of ignored for so long that I'd heard since I was in fourth grade, basically, and started listening to that again and um, and then went to seminary for the Diocese of Kansas City. I grew up in Colorado, but went to college in Kansas City. So that's why I decided to stay stick around here. And uh, two years in Nebraska with the Reverend Blood. And f- did we overlap all four years or was it three? Three years. I overlapped three years with um, with the most Mr. Sentovich. And, um, and so that was nice. I got ordained in 19. I think, was it, it wasn't, if it wasn't the same day, it was like the next week or something as you, Blood. It was like. Yeah, it was close. It was close. It was close. So. And uh, just been tearing it up ever since. Um, I think uh, Father Father Bobby's uh, Twitter bio says it all. Um, big fan of priest life. It's um, it's the best life. I love it a lot. 
I'm in a parish, St. Andrews. It's a nice place to be a, a, a new priest because the people really love me. They like, they like, not like that, like me. I mean, I think they like me too, but they just support. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. They just, you know, they just support and everything like that. And um, I'm also in high school and that's dope. Uh, high schoolers are open and funny and um, loving and, uh, you know, they got their issues too. I'm not going to sugarcoat that, but, but I've really enjoyed that and, so yeah, that's that's it. That's that's the nutshell. That's the that's the cliff notes. And uh, just you know, Jesus, like I just I love praying and love spending time with him and trying to talk to people about him. That's kind of my, I mean, that's why we do what we do, you know, in, in priesthood and just being Christian disciples in general. So um, you know, he's got to be the center, and we got to get people to know him because once we get people to know him, then they'll help other people get to know him. So. I don't know. I'm being kind of uh, very too holy right now. And that's generally not how we interact, but you know, we strive. Yeah. So you were, this is not really a political podcast, but why don't you go into a little bit of, I remember you telling me the story about politics. So you were, you would write, you were writing political mail and then you kind of thought, you know, it was kind of nasty, right? Cause some of those political campaigns can get kind of intense. And so at some point you're like, you know, this is not that fulfilling or not that, you know, yeah, I think fulfilling is probably the right word for what you were describing, but you can describe your own experience. I loved working in politics. I absolutely loved it. I wrote political mail. So that stuff you get in the mail, the like the, the glossy mailers, like yay big. I know nobody can see me, but they're, I don't know what, like half a sheet of paper, but they're glossy and they got big pictures on it. It says vote for this guy because he's going to make your life better, etc. Or don't vote for this guy because... He's the spawn of Hitler, you know, in so many words. But uh, so I wrote that stuff and I, and I really liked it and I, and I thought I was pretty good at it and I would research it and I would like research who gave money to whom and who did what. And I wrote this one really horrible mailer and it was, it was like accusing this guy of, of beating his wife. And we had like all the court documents. We were going to send it out to like, his neighbors. And I'm just like, yeah, let's, I, I said, let's not do this. And they said, okay, we won't, but not cause not cause of morals, but because we don't have enough money. I said, well, whatever, as long as it's not getting sent out. But I had a lot of fun because, you know, some, you know, I, the truth needs to be known for some people, you know, if some people have done certain things or trying to gloss that over, you know, they need, the people need, to, people need to know the truth. So most of it was like kind of boilerplate, boring stuff. Um, but wrote a lot of pro-life pieces, and that was always really nice. I enjoyed that probably the most is the pro-life stuff. And um, um, so I did that for about a year. That was a heck of an experience because my boss, Jeff Rowe, is a, a political uh, – he's, he's uh, what do you call it, a, uh, a consultant, a political consultant. It kind of – earned a name for himself in the 16 primary presidential uh, primary because he was Ted Cruz's campaign manager. He wasn't. So I worked for him in 2012. Uh, I worked for him in 2012, but um, anyway, he kind of, he's kind of climbed the ranks and, you know, so yes. So I I did work for Republicans, but they knew me as a squish, you know, because I thought for myself, but a squish was not a nice term, you know, because somebody who 
is not party line or whatever. But um, and so eventually, like after the 2012 campaign, I said, you know, I don't know what else to do. I really like politics. So I'm going to just go out to D.C. And uh, they promised me a job. The guy that I had worked for said, hey, we got you a job. It was supposed to be with Ann Wagner, but that fell through. So I ended up working for Billy Long, another representative. And about like, I don't get two months, about a month and a, a couple weeks out there, I'm like, I need to go to seminary. I just like, I was in and out of a number of places to live because I wasn't making enough really to afford housing in, in DC. I mean, I did have a really cheap, crappy apartment at the end, but then I, you know, broke that lease. And, um, but I just remember um, walking into the second apartment that I was in out of three in the two months that I was there and thinking to myself, like, I need to, I need to do this seminary thing. I'm away from my friends. We're all back in KC. I'm, what am I doing with my free time? I was going to adoration, going to daily mass. I'm like, yeah, this is kind of obvious. Like I need to try this out. Might as well get paid for it. You know, if I'm, if I'm going to do it in my free time, I might as well make a quick buck. Right. Reach. That's exactly what I thought. I never thought about expressing it that way. Right. I'm going to totally start using that as a, yeah. you know, as a. Uh, so. What if I got paid to go to mass? <laughs> oh, I love it. The ten dollars is only uh, a suggestion, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow, that's beautiful. And now, and now you. And now you find yourself sending out those same glossy, uh, you know, pieces of paper, just uh, advertising your mass times, right? Or right, for a capital right. campaign. Right. I haven't had to do any of that yet. So, Father, you're assigned both at a high school and at a parish. So what's division of labor look like that way? Are, are you teaching? Is it most of the time at the parish? How do you find the, the average day in the life? Well, I'm there at the high school one day a week, technically. Um, I don't really teach there. Um, I teach I teach one day a week, uh, but it's like I take the religion class for one of the religion teachers. So I don't do, you know, I, I don't I don't teach a class. I guess you could say I don't teach a course. Um, but I, I hear confessions. I say mass uh, once a well. They say the school mass and then one other mass. That's like an optional mass. And um, I try to go to games and I try to, you know, and then at the parish, I do teach eighth grade church history. So that's the religion course in our eighth grade is uh, church history. And I teach that four days a week and, uh, you know, anointings. And uh, I visit, try to visit every classroom in our elementary school every week, pre-K. We have three pre-K and then we just have one class of each grade, uh, K through eight in our, um, in our elementary school. So, um, and then we hear confessions four days a week in the parish and then, you know, splitting up the daily masses with the pastor, you know, having mm -hmm. some days with multiple masses. And, and then of course the weekends are, you know, that's where, that's where we make our hay, as you know. Yeah. Right. Is that a farming reference? I'm not familiar with that. <laughs> He's in Kansas City. I'm from, I'm from Colorado. I grew up on a farm, so I should have mentioned that in my brief bio, but. Right. Yeah. Is there, is there anything that surprised you going from formation into active ministry? Uh, just like, you know, comparing what, what they were preparing you for versus what you seem to be doing is how's that transition been? 
you know, we got a lot of theology, and I think that's good. Um, you know, it's a lot of thinking through the importance of the truths of the faith. But, you know, I mean, I've been blessed to have a really good pastor, Father Vince Rogers, and he, um, you know, kind of walks and talks me through the actual practical stuff of being a priest, you know, dealing with, uh, with people who are going through difficult times and being, learning to be patient. And, um, um, you know, it's, it's mostly just like, gosh, I, you know, I, I don't have to like balance a budget or anything like that, but just learning how to like manage a calendar, like, you know, obviously I had to do that before, but like that kind of stuff is, is really important. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think seminary prepared me pretty well. I would say, um, um, you know, especially for like being able to preach, you know, and being able to think through and how to communicate the truths. But I guess, you know, politics really helped me with that, how to communicate the truths in a way that people could understand and integrate them into their lives. I guess probably could have stood to, I could have used a little bit more of that seminary. I don't know. I haven't really thought about that that much. No, that's, that's a totally fair point. I mean, a lot of the times, you know, I would imagine once you get ordained, it's sort of like you hit the ground running. There's not really, you know, that's like another version of formation is like your first day on the job. And now you've been a priest for almost, for almost two years. Um, so uh, Bobby asked you, Father Bobby asked you, what surprises you? What, what gives you the most joy? I'm guessing based on how often you go to the school that, that gives you a lot of joy. What are like the, the simple joys of, of your life? I like spiritual direction. I like, um, I like given spiritual direction. I've been surprised how much people are thirsting to learn how to pray. I mean, I love prayer. I spend a great amount of time in my day in prayer, as I think every priest should. And really all people of God are called to, you know, grow in a prayer life. You know, it's not about necessarily the quality, the quantity, it was more about the quality. But um, so I love to pray and love to show people how to pray and love how to just talk. I don't really think of it as like, you know, I don't even like the term spiritual direction. I just think the Holy Spirit's their spiritual director and I, and I just kind of try to help them under help them listen, and uh, help them be better friends with Jesus. Uh, so I guess spiritual direction gives me a lot of joy. Visiting the children in the in the elementary school gives me a lot of joy. I like try to come up with like fun saint stories to tell them, or some jokes to tell them, or something like that, and allow them just to ask questions about you know what it's like to be a priest. So I enjoy that, and I and I like the high school because I like you know I like athletics, and and it's a very sports oriented school. And I like the challenge there because that, that, the, the school there, um, you know, the things that we deal with in our parishes and our schools are, you know, the things that that society on a larger, a larger scale deals with, you know, trying to integrate Christ into our daily lives and in a world that's kind of an inimical to, to, the, to the gospel message. So I, those, that challenge both excites me. And, uh, yeah, it, it, so basically just being with people at all, at all, of all different ages gives me joy, I guess you could say. No, it's definitely, at least in my experience, uh, the life of the priests, people, you know, throughout seminary, you know, aren't you going to be lonely? Aren't you going to be bored? You know, why would you pick this life that seems maybe by the world standards as uh, just kind of a sludge? But then you, you realize like each day you get up and the Lord gives you different opportunities to to see people and to be with them no matter what their situation is, you know, you go from morning mass with your older folks to confessions, people begging for the mercy of God. Maybe you get a sick call. Maybe you pop over to the school, whatever. And there's so many different opportunities to kind of make these connections. 
Um, now, I realize with, with spiritual direction, every person's different, right? And we're, we're docile of the spirit as we kind of have those privileged conversations. But um, are, are there any sort of basic pieces of advice you'd give somebody who's trying to take a step deeper? Maybe they're, you know, a Sunday mass goer and they try to pray every day at the end of the day. But do you have any kind of pointers to, to help people maybe take one step deeper, especially as we're in this season of Lent? Hmm. Gosh, I always just try to make it really customized, you know, and that's and that's kind of what you were alluding to by the kind of privileged conversation. You know, I, I always try to I always try to see where God's already moving in somebody's life and just try to build on that. You know, I don't I definitely don't try to impose any sort of spirituality on anybody. But I mean, I, I'm kind of a meat and potatoes kind of guy. You know, if, if people just kind of want really basic direction, I, you know, I, just, I always say start with the rosary, devout, loving recitation of the rosary. Um, because it, and you know, you meditate on the the, the, the life of our Lord in the mysteries, and you uh, become better acquainted with uh, with our Mother, our Blessed Mother, and uh, because she, you know, prayers about relationships. So if you have a relationship with Jesus and Mary, you know, they're going to be the ones to to lead you into the the greater, deeper union with the Father. And so, yeah. So basically, you know, if you're not doing your rosary, do your rosary. But uh, you know. Um, mental prayers here. You need to you need to have time just talking to the Lord with your own heart and trying to pay attention to what's going on and his and uh, what's going on. Is he because he's already whispering things in our hearts? Every single one of us, no matter how far we are, there's always as much as we try to drown him out. He's always trying to even the hardest heart most hardened sinners trying to trying to lure them back. So I just try to get people to listen to the listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit in their life. Obviously, you had some time in Rome. What kind of or what particular things about Rome, the city, the saints, the food, the culture, do you think really prepared you for the priesthood or gave you a particular perspective that you bring into your ministry? Um, Rome teaches you just how to be Catholic. I mean, what it means to be a Roman Catholic, the cult, like all those things you just said, like we as Catholics are not puritanical folks we enjoy good food good wine good uh, sweets we and then we we go to churches and we make churches beautiful and we encourage people to have devotion to the saints you know becoming friends with the saints because they're they became friends with god and they can teach us how to do the same thing um, because there's relics of saints everywhere even relics that are probably not even real but like if you <laughs> you know like i don't know how many heads there are of saint john the baptist in rome but I don't really care. Even if it's not his head, go there and think about his life and become friends with John the Baptist. And I don't think God's going to deprive you of those graces just because some somebody in the Middle Ages like found some random skull and tried to make some money off people going into, I don't know, you know, like <laughs> just. The Italians are always quick to make a bug from the saints. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you, you come for the carbonara, but you stay for John the Baptist's third head, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> carbonara is fantastic do you do you cook at all at, at home do you bring have you brought any of those pasta dishes with you to your parish uh i am i have made uh amina amatrich um amatriciana i don't even like amatriciana but i had somebody say they wanted to try it so i made it and i haven't really made that i don't really like to cook that much I like other people to cook for me. I know that might sound horrible, but I, I mean, and I try to be healthy, like, cause 
people love to give priests junk food and I love to eat junk food. So I've gained, I've, you know, ballooned somewhat since becoming a priest. So I'm really trying to, uh, it's all grace. It's all grace. It's all grace. We'll call it grace. You know, so I'm trying to eat salads, you know, so that doesn't require quite as much cooking. Although I can really saute a good, uh, a mean chicken breast. You know, Father, Father Bobby's big thing, he's a big chicken parm guy. I make a mean chicken parm. Do you? I've, yeah, because for, for a long time, lasagna was my thing. And then I said, why wouldn't I just sneak a little chicken breast underneath this lasagna and call it good, you know? <laughs> I, Father Blood, I just really got to say, your um, your social media presence is awesome. And I love watching all your like little mini cooking TikToks or whatever. So you should make a, have you made one about chicken parm? I haven't. I really should. Yeah. I do have a lady who every single she works at the local grocery store and every time I'm there, she'll scream from like five or six uh uh aisles down. Father Blood, are you making cookies again? Okay. I, I know I'm I'm like the uh the chubby priest, but I'm in my sweatpants. I, I don't need to be shamed on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> but to answer your question, yes I am making cookies. <laughs> yes, I am making cookies tonight. Check out TikTok, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So you're in Kansas City. What's the tell? Tell us. You know, us Northerners really don't know a thing or two about barbecue. So just give us, give us the, give us the the primer on on Kansas barbecue. Well, I know you're not in Kansas City, Missouri. You're in Kansas City, Kansas. Wrong. I'm in Kansas City, Missouri. Or, oh, other way. Other way around. Shoot. Dang it. Wrong. <laughs> Tremendously wrong. <laughs> wrong. <laughs> No, Someone didn't do his homework before the podcast, did he? Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, as you, as I think I've expressed to y'all before, uh, Kansas City barbecue inspires um, passion in people, and um, I've I've seen near fistfights over barbecue. Um, you know, arguing about which barbecue place is the best, which sauce is the boss, etc. Um, and so here's here's my take. Um, I think the most authentic experience you're going to get at Arthur Bryant's uh, down on Brooklyn. And uh, because I just think they do a really good job of like. Sounds like a hedge fund. Arthur Bryant's and co. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. (laughs) It is not a hedge fund. It is the farthest thing from it. Um, But uh, it's because it's close to the uh, it's close to the jazz district. And it's sort of um, I don't know. It's sort of a, a part of town that maybe he's gotten a little rougher over the years. Um, and I think that all adds to the ambiance. I don't know, but, uh, but I, I love, I love Arthur Bryant's and, uh, you know, um, so the first thing I would tell anybody coming to Kansas City barbecue to get Kansas City barbecue is be prepared to be verbally assaulted at most of the, uh, the barbecue places by the staff, by the staff, because, uh, what's going to happen, especially if you go into gates is the moment you walk in the door, even if there's like 10 people in line, they're going to yell at you, how may I help you? And you need to know you need to know exactly what you want. By the time you get in there, you're going to get yelled at until you find it, like on the menu. So do your research. Funny enough, I say this. I say the same thing when I invite people to my parish. I'm like, just say so you know, just be ready, because during my homily, you you might be verbally assaulted. <laughs> I'm going to accost you with grace. Right. You you can't read the gospel and not say sometimes uh, Jesus is uh, accosting us. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's just a, this, this is a total tangent, just something, I was listening to another podcast last night and this is totally, has nothing to do with barbecue. I'm sorry, everyone who, 
you know, tuned in for a barbecue, but uh, they were talking about uh, culture and they were talking about how it seems like in 2021, it's becoming more and more difficult to enter into culture and also have distinct culture, um, mostly because we don't allow ourselves to get bored. This is kind of a, a perspective someone was sharing, like they, um, in, in like a community, if there's downtime, if there's rest, if there's actual leisure, that gives them the space to kind of grow into new things as a culture. But after this last year of just kind of being pseudo isolated and things just kind of everything is just media, um, what, what would you say is some ways that we can kind of delve into our, our Catholic culture, but even just parish culture? Um, and Nick, feel free to jump in, but just some ways that we can kind of live out um, this Christianity in like a real human way that's distinct of today, you know? I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's just in my brain and I just wanted to get it out. Well, I'm glad you did. I, you know, every, yeah, generally when it's in your brain, it's either hilarious or insightful. So or both. Well, it wasn't funny. So <laughs> or both, but it wasn't both this time. It was definitely insightful. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I think I know what you mean. I, you know, I'm not one of those guys that calls a cell phone a devil box. But, uh, but I also think we've got to set limits on it. Um, I think the main thing is just the, is the basis, you know, communion, a connection with a person, you know, because the, you know, the social media does give us a connection. It might, it's not a faux connection, but it's definitely not a complete connection. There's not, there's not every element of connection po- possible there. So we got to have those real moments of connection, you know, the, the moments of communion, you know, that's why praying with people is such a, what's such a fantastic thing, but you know, you can't, you can't do those, that type of prayer at all times. Um, that would just, that's just not how we're made. So I don't know. I mean, meals and inviting people to meals, you know, especially as society somewhat opens up, I think we're getting there, um, after COVID and, um, uh, meals and, you know, I mean, basically that stuff that we're taught in school, like go and like, if someone looks lonely, why don't you go over there and talk to that person? You know, as we like, you have coffee and donuts, someone sitting alone. It's like, it's not just the priest who gets to do that. Everybody can do that or, you know, and um, youth groups and, you know, all that, the, the night's dinners. I think all those things that we as Catholics have traditionally done, we just try to do them and we do them well, you know, make them welcoming and, and places where people can feel included and then also places where they're comfortable enough that they can, you know, open up their hearts to, to Christ. You know, that's, those are the kind of communities that we try to open up. I think that's what you're talking about. Yeah, it is. I, I think maybe in some sense, I've just, in the last few weeks, as we've started to open up more, I've just been met with some, some frustration of folks because we've been closed for so long. Mm. Um, And I just, I think one thing I want to lean into in these upcoming weeks is just like the joy of, of the fact that the Lord is once again providing a, a renewing of our culture and our community that has been lacking or has been different in some way. Instead of just kind of, um, oh, it's been one full year since COVID. I'm so pissed because everything is lame to be able to say, but what, what specifically is the Lord doing in our communities that's, that it's actually building and actually reflecting to the world Christ? Um, so yeah, I think, I think you're right on. Yeah. 
Well, we usually, I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot here because we usually close our podcast with a kind of recommendation, something completely different from typically the faith to take our, not necessarily our minds off the faith, but just from our minds away from the daily grind. So do you have anything you want to recommend? It could be a show, it could be food, it could be doing something outdoors, anything you want to recommend to our, to our listening audience? Yikes. Uh, go outside. I don't know. I mean, February is the most depressing month. I mean, I, if I learned anything from St. Greg's, like I did, I learned the difference between like essay and Essencia, but I also learned like February sucks. Those are like my two main learnings from St. Greg's in Nebraska. Well, that's because you couldn't leave. It was like, it's 28 <laughs> days. You're snowed in. Even if, oh, you can go to Walmart across the street. Well, thanks everybody for your generosity. Yeah, I'm going to go to the $5 DVD bin. Yeah. You can get the fugitive and pop that <laughs> uh, So go outside. But also, you know, I guess it's Lent. I gave up booze for Lent. But I've really, before Lent, I was really on a big Manhattan kick. And uh, somebody introduced, have you guys know, are you familiar with that beverage? Uh, we, we may have partaken in, in a few last night. Yeah, we are. We are very familiar here in the great diocese of Rockford. With Manhattans? Oh, that's fantastic. Um, but anyway, my secret ingredient for Manhattans, and I learned this from uh, from a, a certain Mr. Coster, is Benedictine. You you add an, an extra as much vermouth as you put in. You know, put a little bit more bourbon. So I do I do two parts. Well, I don't even know the math, but I usually make enough for two, and I put four shots of bourbon, two shots, one shot of vermouth, and one shot of Benedictine. So it's very stout, you know. You, but uh, wow. have a nice Manhattan. But Benedictine is, um, and then, you know, a nice cherry is good too. But anyway, so that would be my two recommendations, you know, get outside okay. and, and maybe after, after 2 p.m. or 4 p.m. or whatever, you know. Right. Yeah. Whenever it's okay to say evening prayer, it's okay to have a Manhattan, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For us, it's the, uh, it's the cherry. You know, you got the cheap cherry, which is no good. And then you got the seventeen ninety nine cherry. That just it's it's not worth it, but it kind of is. The Luxardo, you know? the Luxardo yeah, yeah. cherries, oh, yeah, they're really one hundred and fifty percent worth it. Yeah, I mean that's why we yeah. charge ten dollars for mass stipends. So you can say it's too, <laughs> you say it's too mass and get Luxardo cherries. <laughs> right, that lasts you a couple days. Uh, beautiful. Day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Father, it's been a joy. It's good to connect you. I truly want to come to Kansas City, St. Joe, at some point. To see you, to celebrate the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass with you, to eat some of those uh, Arthur Bryant's barbecue, you know. Get here. So maybe, oh, maybe well, this summer we can make that happen. Hey, you, you there's room in my rectory. Man. Come, would love to have you. I don't know what there is in Rockford, but I'm sure you know. Since you guys are there, there's other cool stuff. So maybe I'll meander that way. <laughs> Crime. You'd be more than welcome to come. <laughs> That's awesome. Good. Uh, Thanks, Father. We're praying for you. All right. Peace. Peace.